Okay. All right. Conclusion. Um, pandas. Yes, pandas. <laughs> to Random Encounter, the RPG Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Steinman. we got a short crew for you today. Uh, I guess this is the part in our journey where the uh, the party splits up into two. We have one one party going to fight evil in the north, another party going to fight evil in the south. I'm going to say we're going south. Is that okay, John? No. I, uh, I, I want to be the party on the raft. You want to be the party on the raft? Yeah, so we can fight Ultros. Oh, God. You know... At, I'll tell the funny story in a second. Go ahead and introduce yourselves, gentlemen. Uh, I'm John McCarroll. I am the public relations specialist and webmaster. I am KeeperX on our forums. And joining us today, we have a brand new person to the podcast. Go ahead and introduce yourself, sir. Hey, I'm uh, Brian Grosnick. I'm uh, Banestar on the forums, uh, and I am the new contributing editor, uh, cleanup crew guy. All right, all right. So we got some games to talk about this week. Uh, first off, we're going to finish off the New Vegas discussion, and then John is going to talk a little bit about Ease. And then uh, Brian's going to talk about some games that I've never heard of before, followed by a short discussion section and then a short news section. Uh, real quick, just the funny story. I didn't realize I had my Super Scope 6 sensor plugged into the second controller port on my Super Nintendo when I first got Final Fantasy VI when I first got Final Fantasy 3, and I got to the Ultros fight, and everybody was trying to run away because it screws with the other controller. <laughs> so I couldn't beat him, and I was just confused. I was, like, confounded. I'm a small child, and I can't figure out what's going wrong. But it just turned out that the Super Scope 6 was just like, I'm going to make your whole party run away the now, whole time. Here's the thing. That's not limited to being a kid or even <laughs> a Super Nintendo. No, no, no. I'm not joking. I got, uh, I got GoldenEye for Wii. And uh, I keep a WaveBird plugged into controller one. Oh, boy. And I booted up uh, GoldenEye, and it, like, wouldn't recognize my Wii Remote. And it took me, like, ten minutes to figure <laughs> out that it had taken my GameCube controller and made that the number one uh, input, which was fine, because then I just started playing the game with the GameCube controller. But it was – I'm, like, pressing button. I'm like, what's going on? Uh. Is this game broken? We are stupid. We are stupid. So let's go ahead and get started. Uh, now, last week we had an, well, last week uh, last podcast we had a good discussion about New Vegas, and John said something um, kind of. It was very brief, and I didn't realize the ramification of what he said. John said, "Damage threshold sucks." Now, I was only a few hours into New Vegas at that point, and uh, what I didn't realize was that they went back to the old system from Fallout 1 and 2, where you have a set damage threshold based on your armor, and unless the damage that you're receiving exceeds that damage threshold, uh, you only receive one hit point of damage every time you're attacked. Is that correct? Did I get, did I get it right? Did I get the formula right there? Yeah, but you actually get damage resistance calculated afterwards, so if you have a high threshold and a high resistance, it's even worse. Yeah, so it's it, it's extremely frustrating. So 
I'm walking around the Mojave Desert, and you know, I'm, I'm maybe level like 14 or 15, and there's just some fights that I literally can't win. Like my my guns only have a damage output of like maximum 32. 33 and i'm running into enemies like death claws and trying to take out the uh super mutants on black mountain and i can't do any damage to them so i read online for a little bit and i find out that everybody's saying okay well it you got to use melee weapons you have to use unarmed weapons that's the way and when i say unarmed weapons i mean things like the power fist things like brass knuckles and that's how you circumnavigate uh the damage threshold problem because you have perks that reduce damage threshold for your target and they also do a crap ton of damage now i didn't believe that i had 80 skill points in guns and i walked into uh caesar's legion and they attacked me, naturally, as they do. They're not very nice to my uh, paragon of goodness. And I proceeded to kill one, and I picked up something called a Ballistic Fist. I equipped this weapon. I had no skills in unarmed fighting, okay? And that's what this thing is based off of. I proceeded to annihilate the entire Legion with this one weapon that it was doing 80 damage output. And I was yeah. doing more damage than my 80 skills in guns. Please explain where this calculation is coming from. Your your build sucks. Oh, my build sucks. My build was perfect in Fallout 3. I had it down to a science. Okay, it's too high bad. Intelligence, it's, it's, high... Too bad. it's too bad you're not playing Fallout 3. But what I'm saying is that guns are basically useless. No, wrong. Uh, I would say they are. They're, they're entirely useless. They don't do I enough think... damage. Then why was I destroying enemies with my you, rifle? If you stay on the main path of the game, then you should. No, 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 be no. Okay. I, I, here's the thing: I went back and I played more of the game after, and I'm I'm level 24 now. I'm catching um, up to you. I'm 22. Okay, and I was killing guys on Black Mountain and Super Mutants with my guns because I was like, oh, I've got I've got perks that give me high critical. I've got perks that give me better accuracy in VATS. I've got and I've got. I, I think my luck is six, but so that gives me a luck of eleven for calculating uh, criticals. Um, yeah, I agree that regular shots don't do a lot of damage. My, uh, I think my assault rifle again. You're saying thirty-three, thirty-four. That sounds about right. Uh, but criticals are taking off a third of their health bar because I'm just annihilating them with criticals. Now, what happens if you don't get a critical? Uh, I do one damage. And what happens when the super mutant is running at you with a giant club um, after you fecalate yourself? They, they really – I didn't have much of a problem with them hurting me that much. Like I didn't even have particularly great armor. I had, uh, I had full combat armor, which is like, I don't know, 23 uh, damage threshold. Yeah, see, I was running around with uh, metal armor because that was the best I could come up with, and I was at, like, 15. So my damage threshold wasn't high, but I just – the swing in this game from going from the gun loadout that had worked beautifully for me in Fallout 3, I felt really confident in it, high intelligence, high agility, high perception – uh, just based around guns and then moving into energy weapons as they become available. That always worked for me in Fallout 3. In New Vegas, I literally couldn't do anything. And then I find this, you know, ballistic fist, which is basically a power fist with a shotgun on the end of it. And admittedly, it's a super powerful weapon, but now it's like the game has ended. 
Like, nothing in the game can touch me. And this is a regular weapon that you can find. Like, this isn't a special weapon. This is, you know, a high-end weapon, but you can find them pretty readily. But here's, like, it's... uh, The games work differently. Because, actually, I had a pretty similar situation in... uh, uh, Well, I was doing the pit content in Fallout 3, Mm -hmm. where I... Oh, God, what was I... I, because you you lose all your weapons in the pit, and I I I was gun setup. I was small gun setup. I was actually using pistols in Fallout Three, and uh, I pick up an auto axe, which is the best weapon in the game style wise. Yeah, and it just does no damage. Like my guy has no unarmed skill, and or is it unarmed or is it melee? I forget. I what. think it's melee for that, but I yeah. can't remember. Um, but. Like, I'm just doing no damage with this, despite the fact that it's supposed to be this amazing weapon. And and it's funny because now I just have the complete flip. It's, you know, I had no skills and unarmed, and I pick this thing up, and I just proceed to paste the entire Legion on the side of a building. Which, to be fair, the Legion's actually pretty easy to kill. No, um, no, it's it's true, but, like, it just... It really bothered me. Like it, it's the ultimate trapping of a Western RPG for me. Is that feeling? And I, I mentioned it before on the podcast. It's that feeling that I'm going to screw my character. And it happened in Dragon Age, and it didn't happen in Fallout Three because I felt like I was pushed in a natural direction. Like you start to find energy weapons as you know the enemies start getting a little tougher. You test out the energy weapons; they do pretty good damage. But New Vegas, like I, I was just sitting there going, you know, why am I dying over and over again? Oh, my and, build and, sucks. You know, here's the thing: me with Fallout New Vegas, I found myself not carrying any kind of armor. Like I, I carried the armor that I was wearing, and I wouldn't pick anything else up. I just carried a boatload of different weapons. Right, right. And, and here's the thing. I, I invaded uh, the Silver Rush. I think I mentioned this last podcast, which was the best thing I ever could have done because you get a fantastic uh, – you get a heavy incinerator that even though I had no energy weapon skills, it just ruined everything that I couldn't kill with guns. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you were saying that you were using that, and I just – I don't know. To me, New Vegas just lacks a great deal of balance. I was talking with some of my students in the dorm the other day, and they were all having the same problem. Like, you know, wow, I really can't do any damage to these enemies. I don't feel like – you know, I feel like New Vegas is harder, which is cool. Like when you see a super mutant, and I'm actually scared of one now, that is cool. But it's also like – it was a very hopeless feeling going up against one and shooting it over and over again and not doing any damage. So I feel like the they wanted to swing the game back into the Fallout 1 and 2 uh, difficulty range, but I feel like they swung it way too far. Now, and, Fallout, Fallout 1 and 2 are still brutally difficult. So is uh, Arcanum. Arcanum, like, I went back and tried to play that. The game is hard. Yeah, I just – I still like Fallout New Vegas as I was describing it last week, and I, I do want to write the review this week and post it. I think Fallout New Vegas has a lot of charm, and I think it has a lot of character. I, I really enjoy the strip. I really enjoy uh, the different but, factions re- in the game. Really, really quick, you mentioned before we started recording that you uh, that you'd gotten stuck on Black Mountain. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you actually end up finishing that quest yet? Oh yeah, I brutalized it after I found that weapon. After I found the ballistic fist, I brutalized it. Did what'd you do with Tabitha? Uh, I actually repaired the uh, robot thing, and yeah, 
and had them walk off together. It was quite touching. I Tabitha is one of the best characters ever. I forget what forums that it came from. That there's an image uh, with the heart glasses and the. Uh, no, I, I I really think the game has a lot of character more so than Fallout Three. Like it, it has that Fallout level of humor that really wasn't present in Three. I I really like it from that respect, but I do think that the mechanics under the hood, like I just don't think that that Oblivion engine works well with something like damage threshold i think it worked fine in fallout 3 if you wanted to make the game a little bit more challenging you definitely could but between that and also i didn't even realize that the weapons had strength requirements until 15 hours into the game now hey total dunce move on my part but i'm sitting there going well that wasn't in fallout 3 like that's that's another huge change. Now, granted, it only affects your accuracy, but that's just – it feels like two things, like two fastigial things that were added to the game that were not necessary. Yeah, I I can agree with you there. The strength requirement stuff, I it's I don't know if they, if they were going for immersion or what, but yeah, I agree with you there. It was nice to take the perk, but you get less perks than you got in Fallout 3. Yeah, exactly, because you get one every two levels. Two. Yeah. Yeah. What was it in Fallout 3? Was it one every... It was one every level, I think. No, no, no. It couldn't. Was it? No. I uh, almost think it was one every three. I can't remember. I, I honestly can't remember. Or maybe it was one every two. I can't I can't remember. Oh, uh, whatever. But, but but it... And there there's certain per- perks in New Vegas that are ridiculously overpowered. I mentioned the, the jury rigging perk where you can then uh, use similar items to repair each other. Oh, yeah. No, that, that's fantastic. Oh, my God. Like, that just... That makes it so that now I have this ballistic fist, and even if this thing was hard to find, I could I can repair it with a pair of brass knuckles. I know. I I was repairing things with, like, old shotguns. Yeah, I mean, I it definitely... And then, at the same time, for Grim Reaper's Sprint, which in Fallout 3 gave you back all of your AP points for every kill in Vats, now it only gives you back 20. That thing is horribly neutered, and then you have something like Jury Rigging, which is insanely overpowered. So, yeah. I, I, I mean, what? Bleh! <laughs> uh, you know, I, I realize that balance issues in RPGs unless they're grossly stacked against the player, don't bother me. Yeah, okay, so so you don't mind it when you have a perk that gives you a huge advantage if there's a perk that sucks, because you're going to take the perk that has a huge advantage. Well, like, here's the thing. Like, I I look at Triace as a great example of this. Um, Triace games fit kind of this mold where things are broken. Like, you look at, at Valkyrie, not Valkyrie Chronicles, I'm sorry, um, Valkyrie Profile 2. And Valkyrie Profile's setup is where you can use a whole bunch of different runes and connect it together, and you can either screw yourself over by setting it up wrong or make yourself invincible. But the game's still tough even if you're invincible. But it, it, it's... As I think that, that giving the player choice is going to be inherently unbalanced because if every single path that you can take is going to be good, what's the point of making a choice? So what you're saying is that you should have bad choices? I, hey, if here's the thing. Yeah, no, I'm saying that exactly. But then, you, not, but then you break a character. So? I, here. I'm going to disagree I, with you 100% on this. I, okay, maybe I'm coming from a uh, an MMO player's perspective where I had so much fun in WoW, like, 
building a character around something retarded. Like, I played a rogue and, you know, running a full combat build, like, not combat assassination, how, you know, 71 points in combat and just trying to mess around. Um, you mentioned before we started recording about a mod that lets you respec. I think the ability to respec in a game like this is almost required, and that's something that's huge that's missing from Fallout New Vegas. Yeah, I had to. I went and I downloaded. I'm so glad if you guys haven't done it already. There's a, a respec um, mod out there. It's called Rebirth. It, it basically you go back to Good Springs. You go back to where you start. Uh, you can set your character all the way back down to level one, and there's an auto level up function. So I mean, you're on your own honor system. I just leveled myself back up to where I was, and I just took away the points that I put into guns and energy weapons and put it all into unarmed. And I switched my perks around so that I didn't completely get my character. But when I'm sitting there going, you know, I, I'm talking to my students, and they're all playing the Xbox 360 version and they're sitting there going wow i basically have to restart the game that just gets us right back into what we've talked about before wasting time and i do not like to waste time and that's what i really feel like i was doing in new vegas sounds good well we should probably let brian talk yeah yeah brian's been very very quiet he's just been letting us go and maybe he should tell us what he's been up to well, um, I, I have not been playing Fallout New Vegas. I've been playing uh, more along the lines of uh, some portable games. Uh, I recently played uh, Crimson Gem Saga for uh, the iOS. Um, I've got an iPhone 4, so I, uh, I play a little bit of games on that. And uh, Crimson Gem Saga, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, was a game that originally came out for PSP. Uh, they did a port of it over to the iOS. Um, it's actually a, a pretty great game. Uh, because it's got some depth. It's a traditional style RPG. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot to like about it. There's some good characters. There's some real voice acting in it. Um, the graphics are really nice. The story is, you know, here and there. It's not ideal. The characters are a little bit uh, kind of traditional anime yeah, they, archetype cliche. The game's from, the game's from Korea. You really can't expect um, anything original. Yeah. It, <laughs> It's what Japan created and at about 70 percent, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, and there's a lot of, you know, uh, dungeon delving and there's an overworld map and it's it's very traditional in that kind of way. It's not a necessarily a top down RPG, but it's a uh, kind of a three quarters uh, 2D RPG. Uh, the battle system is primarily just like you would see in uh, an old school like Final Fantasy game, you know, uh, side view battles with a critical hit system. The only problems that I had with it were really related to playing it on a touchscreen uh, as opposed to having like a D-pad and, uh, and controls on a PSP. Um, there's a lot of weird things about it. Like, for example, you have to, to do a critical hit, you have to touch a really, really small, really, really fast button in the middle of the screen to be able to do a critical hit in this game. And on the iPhone, it's like impossible 95% of the time. Now that may just be because I have fat fingers and bad coordination, but probably not. It's probably going to be hard for anybody. No, uh, I, I, I have had significant issues. I had uh, an envy touch before I destroyed it and I had the original final fantasy for it. And I just don't know how, a lot of these touchscreen games, to be fair, I don't think the Envy Touch was multi-touch, but yeah, yeah. the the controls are just so awkward. 
Yeah, it's a mess, especially if you've got these tiny touchscreens. Like the iPhone 4 is great because it's small, but I mean, if you're playing this on an iPad, maybe you have a different set of problems. Maybe it's not so much of a big deal, but on the iPhone 4 with the tiny, tiny screen, they really could, should have done something to optimize it for the screen a little bit better. Um, and there's also another thing when you're walking around in like kind of the overworld, uh, it's there's no random encounters in the game, which in theory is terrific, but the characters, if they see you, the enemy characters, if they see you, they run towards you. And if you let them run towards you even a little bit, they uh, get a free strike on you, and usually it'll do about 75% damage to your whole party or just instant kill you outright. And so since the controls are a little wonky and you've got the touch screen where you're trying to use a, um, a designated D-pad in the corner of the screen that they, they throw on there for you, uh, like you'll be blocking the screen, you'll have some control issues, it doesn't always go where you tell you to go. So a lot of times you have these guys jump in, they hit you for critical damage, and then you die, and then that's the end, and you have to start over. So that that's a time waster, and it, and it does kind of suck a lot. So I have a question for you. I, I played uh, a great deal of the PSP version. Um, one of the things that I really enjoyed about it was that it let you overlap kind of a world map not a world map, but like an area map, so you could see where you were going. Is that is that still available in the iOS version? Yeah, it's great for the overworld. Uh, in the dungeons, you do not have the overlay world map. Um, yeah, I don't. I think it was the same way in the PSP version. Which is which is cool for most of it. The the overlay for the world map is great. It's really useful. You can find where you're going. It's nice. In the dungeons, there's a couple of areas where they have repeating rooms where if you, say, go left, you'll go into the same room again, and you have to find your way to go up or right. Um, so those areas, not having a map, can be a real pain in the neck. Um, again, I'm not the best at remembering where I'm going, so I wound up wandering around in circles in a dungeon for like half an hour before I figured things out. It's kind of an annoyance, but the overworld map makes it pretty useful, and it makes going from dungeon to dungeon pretty easy. I like yeah, I- I hear your arguments there for for really I disliked the dungeons in the game. It was really the only part that I didn't like. Yeah. Because it seemed like I was getting lost constantly. Yeah, I got lost a lot. There's some lever puzzles that are really not intuitive um, that were kind of a mess in the dungeons. But overall, it's really solid. It's a good, you know, you can easily dump 20, 25 hours into it. Um, there's, there's a lot to be had in terms of depth and learning skills. You get a couple of, a a pretty fair sized number of party members, uh, different skills, different items to get. So it's a great, it's a great game for the iPhone. I, I I really would recommend it, uh, which I'm sorry. What's the price point on it? Cause you know, this is a game that was, I don't remember if it was 40 or 30 when it first launched for the PSP, but you know, a full price PSP game and just a port for the iOS is how much was the price point on it? Nine ninety nine. I, that's, that's amazing to me that yeah. this, this game that, you know, is a full fledged, you know, 20, 25 hour RPG is 10 bucks. Yeah. It's a really good price point. It's definitely worth it. Uh, if you need a portable game and you have a responsive iOS device. Yeah, do you need the iPhone 4 for that to work? or Because I know that there were some problems with games underperforming based on the processor and the iPhone. I don't think that it's come up as a problem, um, although I had not tested it on anything other than an i4. So 
Uh, but I did not see a lot of reports about it being optimized solely for the iPhone 4. I would assume it would probably work fine on a on a 3G or a 3. Well, when I the well when the iPhone is announced for Verizon on uh, November 9th, that's going to be awesome. So there you go. Yeah. I, I think here's here's what I think is interesting is uh, this has nothing to do with RPGs, but this is a tangent I'm going on since I just bought a uh, an Android tablet. Um, you look at like the the Apple iOS devices and even though there are different versions, kind of it, because they're all Apple created, there there's only a certain number of setups you've got. But this tablet that I just bought is from a Chinese company that I've never heard of that makes GPSs, and it's got you know whatever via processor they put in there. And I think that that it's interesting that a lot of these iOS games have issues because I'd find that probably an Android app which would have to work on, you know, however many different setups would have more issues, you know? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's kind of a mystery. Uh, I'm not entirely sure why they have these issues because of the, you know, you're right. There's so many controls on the Apple devices and everything's got to go through the Apple vetting process, which, you know, of course upsets a lot of people, but yeah, there's no, there's no good reason for something like that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, it, it definitely sounds like an enjoyable time. Now, did you have another game to talk about, Brian? I got, I've got two more, uh, and I'll just go over them really quickly. Um, then I played another iOS game, which is called Ash. It's from a really small indie developer, SRRN Games, and um, it's a traditional-style RPG, again, uh, very, very much influenced by Final Fantasy IV and Final Fantasy VI, um, almost so much so that it's you know the traditional top-down. you got your sprites, you got a four-person party, um, big overworld to explore, but it is, I would say it's one of the better traditional style RPGs I've played, regardless of the system. And it's available on an iOS, which is great. Uh, it is a really, really well put together game in terms of story and characters. Uh, they really went, made, uh, the developers made a lot of effort in making it a kind of more adult, more grown up story, not like adult as in, you know, like, rated MA and HBO, but like an, uh, like a really, a really advanced narrative, uh, some really good themes about loss, about revenge, about family ties. And they, the, the best example of how well they did the story is the opening scene. They do a really simple opening scene with just a really well put together musical piece. And it's just in the in-game system uh, where they just go ahead and they show the events, the prologue to the story about five years before it starts. And it's a simple tale of betrayal of two soldiers who go to a town and then are betrayed by their by their king. It's a really, really great game all around. There's a couple of knocks that you can make on it, one of which is that uh, since it is such a small developer, they did have to license their graphics from Enterbrain, the makers of the RPG Maker series. But that's the only licensed part of the game that they had to do. Everything else was developed in-house. Um, it's developed for iOS specifically, meaning that all the things I said about Crimson Gem Saga, where it was kind of clunky on the iOS, they managed to fix. Uh, controls are not through a D-pad. You point in a direction, your character walks in the direction. You point to talk to somebody, your character talks to them. In random battles, which, you know, like most traditional RPGs, it's got random battles, you point, you just tap on the character that you're fighting, and it attacks them. 
Um, you know, really simple things like that. If you get a call, if it's a, since it's an iOS device or you have to put down the, uh, the game for a little bit, it picks up right where you left off. It's got an auto save feature and it just without saving will bring you back to where you were. So That's there's perfect. a lot, there's a lot of really, really good iOS features about it. That's that's pretty impressive. I like it. It's it strikes me as odd that because SRN is such a developer, I was just looking at their website just now, and they've got like only five or six people working on this game. Or I suppose worked on it since it's done. Uh, and and they've added these features that are very platform specific. And I don't know. It, it's it strikes me as odd that these these giant developers and publishers, you know, where you've got hundreds of people working on a game, really don't add anything that's platform specific, you know? Yeah, it's uh it's really strange. And you know, the developers have already said on their site that, you know, if they could go back now and and do some tweaks to the game, they would because there are other people doing great stuff, but I really firmly believe that this is one of the few games that's in, in the RPG genre that's really optimized for the phone. And, and it's you're right, it's clueless why some of these other, uh, you know, the games like Song Summoner use the iPod functionality of a game. Uh, if you're not familiar with Song Summoner, uh, it's an iOS game where um, you use uh, your songs on your iPod to create characters in an SRPG. But beyond something like that, there's not a lot of touchscreen-focused games. So this was why this was really nice, and it made it a really clean, easy-to-play gaming experience. So that was really great. Actually, I, I've on the same note, wasn't the touch version of uh, of Song Summoner just awful? I didn't mess around with it really at all. I know a little bit about the game, but I didn't play with it. Okay, I just was not interested. Because it was a game that originally came out on the iPod Classic with Scroll Wheel. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and and its control scheme was actually set up to use that and it worked well. And they made an iPod Touch version or slash iPhone, iPad, whatever. And it supposedly it was just awful for that version, but it you know, it's again, even though the team on Song Summoner was small, it's it's kind of it wasn't done correctly for uh the touch versions. But but anyway, Ash was a terrific game. I definitely give it a high recommendation. You'll be able to see the review on the site. Um, it, it's definitely going to be worth it. I don't know the price point at this point, but it's probably not going to be very much, given the fact that it's a smaller indie developer and that uh, it it's almost like an episode one in a longer series. But there's still plenty of hours to be had in the game, at least. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, and then the last game I've been playing, and I'll just do this very quickly, was Blazing Souls Axolate for the PSP, uh, an Idea Factory game. Um, it is not fun. <laughs> I recommend it to anybody. Sounds um, like sounds like a game right up my alley. Wait, Bring I, on I, this not fun game. But, but I'm going to cut you off. I'm going to cut you off. So Idea Factory has made um, one game that I found fun. And that was Aedis Eclipse, which when I say I found it fun, I mean it was not horrible like the rest of their games. I have one question about this game. Is it horrible because it's on the PSP and has absolutely horrible load times or just because it's horrible? No, the load times are fine. I have no problem with the load times for this game. I was hoping it would suck both ways, and that way I would really love it. To all of our listeners, if you haven't played it, Spectral Souls... For PSP, if you want a game that's both awful and has the worst loading times in any game you've ever played, that's your game. 
sounds like a box quote. No, no, no. Uh, here, I, I, I don't even remember if I ended up writing the review. Um, the game was so bad. Like, you know how you'll get little avatars. It's like, oh, this is the person that's talking. And they're like, you know, 60 pixel by 60 pixels. And uh, Spectral Souls for the DS would take about two seconds to load one of those every time. Uh, yeah. yeah, that that's how much I love Idea Factory. So, anyway, um, continue, Brian. Well, Blazing Souls is a port of a PS2 game, and I have to imagine if I bought this game for the PS2, I would have been so angry. But this is an improved port for the PSP, which I guess the improvements that have been done were they added three bonus characters uh, near the beginning of the game, uh, none of which have personalities or are fun to use. Um, <laughs> it's <a sort laughs> where they have so many good ideas to start and then fail in the execution on each and every one of them. Awesome. Uh, yeah, there's a bunch of characters who are completely unlikable. Uh, they have really, really terrible flat personalities. Um, they have the great idea, and I really – I mean that. I think this is a terrific idea, where you go to your map. It's a, it's a strategy RPG in the vein of like a Final Fantasy Tactics. Let me just say that real real quickly. But you have the opportunity to go to the map before you actually battle on it and change things around, cut down trees, move around blocks, uh, that sort of thing. Except the controls are so bad in doing that that you cannot do what you want to do. And if you spend too much time trying to mess with the map, then you have to go into a random battle. And the random battles take forever and are not any fun. Wait, wait, wait. So you have – you can go into a random battle while you're getting ready to go into a random battle? That is correct. You have the option of – Meta. That's Dude, th meta. Th this is like the singularity thing that Yahtzee pointed out in his Resident Evil 5 review, where you're carrying around your armor in a pocket of your armor. <laughs> what the hell? Um, there's Yo, just... dog, we heard you liked a random battle, so we put a <laughs> random battle inside your random battle so you can battle while you battle. My brain, it has exploded. The rent is too damn high. <laughs> Dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. So there's that. Um, there's the world map requires you. I don't know if anybody who's listening to this has played Cross Edge. If you have played Cross Edge, don't buy Blazing Souls Axolate. It's like a worse version of Cross Edge. Now, okay, uh, here, uh, Brian, <laughs> you have not met many of our readers. Um, uh, you will be getting hate mail for this podcast. I just want. <laughs> I no, I, I want to make you aware of this ahead of time. Um, there are people out there who love Idea Factory games, and they love the fact that there are MP, SP, LP, GP, RP, uh, DP, um, and all sorts of P. They like <laughs> points. And there are people who um, really, really, really got angry at Patrick for giving Cross Edge a bad review. Um, I want to make note, I actually got a pre-release version of Cross Edge, which, which was the one that Patrick eventually reviewed um, a year after release, that the game was so awful I couldn't review it. Ugh. That's... Did the game just shoot out of your system and say, no, I will not be reviewed? Yeah, pretty much. It was like, I, I couldn't do it. I didn't have the willpower. And I played through all of Deep Labyrinth. 
Oh, wow. That's okay. Yeah. I, pl- I played all the way through Kingdom Hearts 2. I mean, I know your fear. Uh, I know your pain right now. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> take that, Steven. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> you can't make fun of his games. He's not here. Oh, uh, sure, I can. Well, then then let me uh, let me uh, throw this little caveat in there. If you love Idea Factory games, you will love this game because it has all of the things that, um, like John was talking about, the there's like I think there's legitimately ten different types of points that you acquire that you use to level up your equipment or your characters or their skills, or that you can use to find different areas on the map. Just to me, it was tedious and and boring and bad in every possible way. So I I accept your hate mail if it's coming. But if you like strategy RPGs, and I love strategy RPGs, this seems to suck fun out of your body and is is just not a good use of time. Um, but if you already like Idea Factory RPGs, um, which apparently you exist and and good on you. Um, then you will probably like this one. Um, there are just things about it, like searching for the next place where you have to go with no direction whatsoever. Um, things like the battles that you have to to earn work points, which is one of the ways you open up new levels. You have to have 50, 60, 100-point hit combos, which require your entire team to gang up on one person and just do that over and over again in all of your random battles. Those type of things just didn't appeal to me. I'm there will be a review forthcoming of this game, and unfortunately, I probably won't give it a very high score. But it is like the other Idea Factory SRPGs. So if you've liked those, then you probably will like it. Um, just if you're somebody else who doesn't, which it seems to be a lot of people, uh, don't buy it. <laughs> okay, we get we gotta we gotta get moving. We gotta get moving. We can sit here and take a dump on a game all day, but we gotta get moving. Oh no, we should have a podcast that we just take dumps on Idea Factory games. <laughs> Aren't you like, our PR manager? <laughs> Idea Factory doesn't exist in North America. Woohoo! <laughs> I'm not saying that we should be angry at NIS America, Axis Games. Um, I don't remember who who else localized these. Nice I don't safe. remember. Nice We're, safe. We're not we're not angry at these companies. We're angry at Idea Factory. Yeah, yeah. Screw them. Okay, John, uh, you got you got to talk about a game quick. Yeah, I'm talking about I Wise. Th- I don't think we're gonna. Oh God, I don't think we're gonna have a lot of time for the topic. Go. Uh, okay, Wise or Ease as it's actually called. Uh, Ease the Ultimate Felgana. Did you play Ease Six, aka Ease the Ark of Nafishtim? No. Congre- <laughs> well, okay. I've you're... actually never played an Ease game before. Okay, you're Adol. Adol's this dude. He's got red hair. He kicks ass. Um, he runs around really fast with really, really fast-paced combat and has bosses that remind you of Mega Man 2 because you die constantly. You die in Mega Man 2? You suck. Yeah, I do. But um, <laughs> anyway, it's, here, we'll, we'll cut this short. Read Damien's review. Um Ease is an incredibly fast-paced action RPG with kind of a bare-bones story but fantastic gameplay. Um, and if you like RPGs, you will like this game because it's very fun. The controls are fantastic. And, like, there's really not a hole in it aside from it's hard. Now, it's not Demon Souls hard, but it actually, for those of us who suck like myself... Um, after you die to a boss three times, it gives you the ability to lower the difficulty on the boss. 
Uh, Which Mega Man boss gives you trouble? They're all easy. No, no, no. Here's the thing. It's not an issue when you're on the actual levels. It's when you have to fight all the freaking bosses in a row. They give you health at the end of everyone. You can kill Mega Man with one – Metal Man with one hit from his own metal thing. I don't even remember playing Mega Man 2. Whatever. Oh, God. Now that music's going to be stuck in my head all day. Thank you. But, um, yeah, because we want to get going, I thought we were only like 40 minutes in. Yeah, but we still have to do news, and we still have to do a topic. Eh, whatever. Um, <laughs> okay, short, if you played Ease the, uh, the Ark of Nafishtim, you will like Ease the Oath and Felgana, because it's a better version of that. Um, if you've played Ease 7, but haven't played the other versions of Ease, it's different. It's going to feel like one step back. Because it is a game that originally came out in 2005, E7 is the newest Ease game. Um, it's it's going to feel different. You don't have a party. You don't have uh, items that you can use. It's pretty much you have equipment, and it's your job to kick ass and take names. And that's that. Yay. Okay, so we need to talk. What What's our topic again, John? I forgot, actually. Oh, crap. Oh, I, I, <laughs> oh man! <laughs> I think we really forgot what we were going to talk about. That's not good. Wait, no, we had to have something, didn't we? Yeah, we did, and I don't remember what it was. Oh, oh, it was it was RPGs that aren't really RPGs. Oh yeah, yeah. that's oh, right. Oh, thank God. Okay. Oh my God, so, Zach, uh, we need you. <laughs> good yeah, Lord. yeah, we, we, yeah we, Holy crap. We need someone to remind us what the hell we're talking about. Okay, so um, thanks to the fantastic people at Stardock um, and their PR firm, uh, I was given a free copy of Elemental for PC, which is Civ meets an RPG, and it's got really, really strong RPG and storytelling elements. And it strikes me that this game is more of an RPG than several of the games that we've reviewed on RPG Fan. But it's a game that we would never review because it is a strategy game. It is Civ. Like, you play it like it's Civ. But you level up. There's a story. You do statistics. It is an RPG. Well, this was the argument that, um, you know, as fans of the show will know, I made the argument for uh, reviewing Dawn of War 2 for the website. And uh, I was using the fact that RPG fan, you know, way back before my time, God, I was still in high school, uh, you guys reviewed Warcraft 3. And Which I, I, I want to make note of that I voted against that when we first did it. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, and I, and I mean, I, I understand reviewing it as an rpg but i i personally thought that dawn of war 2 had more rpg elements and you know i i took my lumps with that one i made my argument i was voted down whatever i'm over it sniff sniff you know i'm, I'm not bitter about it at all i'm not bitter um but it, it shows i think that at least in the past couple years rpg elements have just made their way into everything and you have games that are for all intents and purposes RPGs, but they don't have the label on them. I would say that Dawn of War, despite the pa- despite the fact that there's no mention of it being an RPG on their website, it is an RPG. Well, and, here's the thing. Yeah, like, go ahead. I, I agree with you with Dawn of War there. Because of the structure of the game, you're controlling five characters in the story. Um, they all have equipment. They all have static level-ups with points that you distribute. 
it's got a very clear story. It's got branching. Let's, I don't know if it's branching, but you can choose kind of what missions you want to take. Um, it is an RPG. And honestly, this is, this is an editorial I've wanted to write, even though we beat it to death in editorials. This game is an RPG. Elemental is an RPG. Um, I, I don't go so far. There have been people who, who have written emails to me. Oh, you level up in God of War. You level up in Enslaved. Da, da, da. You pick up orbs, and that makes things stronger. I don't agree there that that's an RPG. I, I agree that that makes a game deeper, and it's a positive thing that games have those. But I think there is a significant difference in complexity. And... Okay, so, so what is it? Why is it that Devil May Cry, God of War, Ninja Gaiden are not RPGs, but Mass Effect 2 is. I'm going to go with complexity of the level-up system and focus on uh, player choice. And I player choice is important there. You're going to play Mass Effect's an RPG because of its dialogue system. It's got the RPG elements under it, even though it's got the shooter base. Well, I think Mass Effect 2 is an RPG because Bioware says so. I, I would not have uh, – personally, I, I think Mass Effect 2 is a great game. I'm not here to take a dump on Mass Effect 2. I, I don't view it as an RPG because even with that dialogue system, there's very little impact that you can have in the game. You still get to the same outcome. You but, know? I mean, the, the, there's – there are a few games that have different endings now. Like you look at at Fallout New Vegas. Fallout New Vegas has three or four endings. I don't. I there you side with the Legion, side with Mr. House. This this is a spoiler alert. Possibly um, side with yourself. Um, I sided with Yes Man. <laughs> that's that's siding with yourself. I know. That's who I um, sided with. But yeah, so so side with House of the NCR, side with the Legion, or side with with Yes Man, and you get slightly different endings but, yeah, but I, mass, I'd effect, say, mass effect 2 you fight the same stupid contra boss at the end of the game but here's the thing it, the the choices that you make and the dialogue options that you use will actually change your ending it will change who spoiler for mass effect 2 it changes who dies in your ending whoop actually whoop-de-doo oh it, Oh, you you know what? It might not be a choice that matters to you, but for me, I actually had uh, I had Legion. Is that his name? Uh, was that the the, the uh, Gath? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I had Legion die in my ending because I had Legion and Tally get into a fight before I went into the final battle, and I didn't have the statistics necessary to uh, solve that amicably, so I sided with Tally. See, I I just and, and again, I'm 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 not sitting here looking for a fight with you, John. I know that Mass Effect Two is a really it's a difficult game to talk about in the RPG vein because you do technically level up and you do have the dialogue system, but then again, the level up system is very very basic. You know, it, there there's not a whole lot to it. You only get a minor choice between skills that I really wouldn't put above leveling up different weapons in God of War or Ninja Gaiden, and then you have a dialogue system that the game relies on the dialogue system to be an RPG. You have impact and, on the story, but then you have games like Final Fantasy that rely on the level-up system and don't really have any impact on the story. 
I, so, I, yeah, I hear your argument there, and I think that that linearity versus nonlinearity should not be uh, uh, an issue in defining what an RPG is. Totally agree. Totally agree um, with you on that. Maybe it's because I I played and liked Mass Effect One. I agree completely that it dumbed down many of the elements. The fact that you can't choose your own equipment other than, oh, I picked up this new gun sucks. Mm -hmm. I I hope Mass Effect 3 brings back some of that equipment choice because, honestly, I did like going through and choosing my equipment and menus, even if the game had a god-awful inventory system on the 360. God, an Excel Excel spreadsheet would have worked better than that game's inventory system. I think it was horrible. Uh, but it, no, and I think you're right on the, the nonlinearity. And, um, you know, I, I was sitting there playing New Vegas, and I was kind of thinking to myself while I was playing, which did I enjoy more? Did I enjoy the slightly more linear Dragon Age with way less freedom? Because I remember my first thought when playing Dragon Age was, wow, I don't have an open world where I can, you know, walk wherever I want to. I'm kind of confined to these maps and everything. This is kind of... It it seems simple, but then after playing New Vegas, there's so much empty BS. There's so much empty space that just doesn't even seem to matter. Like, yeah, it's cool. You know, I, I love the fact, you know, I love crossing the desert. I love seeing new things off in the distance. It really gets me going, but, you know, a couple of hours of that goes a long way, and sometimes, you know, you want to have those set piece moments and i think that mass effect 2 and dragon age do that very very effectively you know giving you that that carrot on the stick and then still giving you the player choice here and there Uh, yeah no i agree with you completely because i think that fallout new vegas doesn't give you that carrot i think it's just kind of like here you go go have fun it also does a really bad job of telling you when you're going to piss off one side versus another. Like I was completing a, I was completing a quest in the strip that uh, Yes Man had told me to go do, and when I completed it, the strip ended up shunning me, and I was like, "Uh, uh wait a minute, that's that a little." Sound, that doesn't sound right because I did all of Yes Man's quests. Well, he 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 makes you go in the direction of helping out the Omertas, Omerta. Uh, oh no. I- and I was helping them out, and I ended up being shunned by the strip for it. Interesting that that you helped them because this the mission chain where I had to kind of go and and talk to all the different uh, strip families. Mm-hmm. I ended up um, destroying the Omertas. Yeah, see, I, I helped them out, and see, it didn't really feel like Yes Man was giving me an option for what to do. It, the option was leave them alone or don't complete this quest. See, the, but the it, option was literally ignore them or don't complete this. No, that see, and that that's totally not it because the option, even though even though on that quest screen it said optional, say to ignore them, you could go in and destroy them. Well, sure, and, you can go in and kill anybody in the no, game. No, 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 no. I'm not saying I'm not saying in a go shoot them in the head. I had a legitimate quest. I went in and I talked to people, and they. I was going in to discover more about them, and I ended up siding with one of their cronies, and I turned the two bosses against each other. Oh, and, okay. I turned the crony in. Okay, uh, okay. Then that makes sense, but it didn't. It didn't feel like I have any. I had any choice. I knew that I had missed uh, a choice, but it felt like Yes Man was forcing me to side with them, 
And so it, it just felt very weird. It felt very, very weird. And I ended up being sh- – because you end up helping out the Omertas to stage an attack on the Strip without even realizing it, and then you end up getting shunned by the Strip. And I'm sitting there going, well, I kind of contr- I kind of control an army right now, and these people don't like me? Okay. Yeah. No, it was, I, it was I, weird. I, I agree that with you in that that's a possible bad design choice when it comes to – not really showing you what the consequences of your actions would be. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and that that's something that drives me nuts playing a game because then all all I do and it's the ultimate take yourself out of the experience is I just load up my last save, yeah. and that's exactly what I did. I was like, well, that's not what I wanted to do. Uh, quick quick load. So Brian Brian got real quiet again, so I want to try to get him in here. What's what's your thought on this uh, when it comes to RPGs that we don't cover or RP or what makes an RPG. What are the elements of an RPG? Just uh, these very tough questions. Where do you stand? Recently, we took a look at a, uh, a couple of side scrolling beat em up games, uh, kind of like in the river city ransom style. And that's one thing that kind of, to me, there's this new uh, wave of these beat em ups like uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world and castle crashers. And to me, those seem to have a lot of the, um, the RPG elements that would make them qualify as RPGs. You have level up, you have choices, you have an open world. What you lack a little bit is in uh, an overarching story, and you act the you lack the traditional RPG gameplay in terms of you know turn based battles or real time battles. You have instead of that, you have kind of the side scrolling beat 'em up gameplay. And I'm kind of wondering, you know, especially in the instance of uh, of say like uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Where's the line? Just because before we used to have final fight style beat 'em ups, now that we have these beat 'em ups that are that are more in the vein of like River City Ransom, where you have level ups. Uh, I, I know River City Ransom didn't have beat 'em uh, have level ups, but you have um, weapons, you have uh, statistic upgrades, you have equipment. Where does that start to fit in as no, this is legitimately getting to be something that we can consider an RPG? That's that's kind of the bigger question I have. I hear you completely, and that's why I kind of think that uh, classifying games is is becoming more and more difficult and and less and less necessary. You know, it's it's I, I've played Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, and it's a great game. It's very difficult, but it's fun, and it's got uh, an economy. It's got a level up system. It's got you know, it's got everything, but it plays like Final Fight. It right. plays mm-hmm. like Streets of Rage, mm-hmm. and I think that that if you took someone who had previously not played video games and said this is an RPG, you know, and described the types of games to someone, and they played Scott Pilgrim, they'd say, "Oh yeah, this is an RPG." But I think because uh, I, I I don't mean to speak for everyone here, but we've all played a great deal of games. We've played games for years, for decades. And we've we've come to the fact where oh no this is not an RPG because it is X other genre, mm-hmm. and there are so many games now that are, uh you know RPG strategy beat 'em up, the uh, music uh shooter, and 
I, I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> no, no, there's, there's just so many. The RPG elements have kind of bleeded, not bled, or they've gone into everything. And, you know, it used to be that I, whenever I thought of an RPG, the first thing that came to mind was Final Fantasy, because that's where I got my start. I got my start with Fantasy Star and with Final Fantasy. So that's immediately what came to me. It was statistics, statistic-based, character-driven narratives. That's where it came with me. And I remember actually fighting with one of my friends uh, back in middle school, and he said, well, why isn't Tomb Raider an RPG? And I said, what are you, stupid? Tomb Raider's not an RPG. And he said, well, you're in the role of the character, oh, aren't okay. you? And I'm like, no, that's not it. But Mass Effect 2, you are in the role of the character. You are determining what the character says. So if, for example, the next Tomb Raider game you got to have dialogue choices. Well, we'd be in a fancy little problem there, wouldn't we? Well, here's the thing. You look at uh, at genre shifting. Um, the latest Tomb Raider game isn't like any of the other Tomb Raider games. It's an isometric shooter. Yep. Like, it, it's... It's like it's, loaded. <laughs> yeah, no, it's awesome. If you have not played the new Tomb Raider game, it is awesome. Actually, it was a game that Square Enix showed to us during our E3 booth tour, saying this game has RPG elements, which I can see where it does, but it's not an RPG. But it's it it has shifted, and there are games out there that shift genres. There are a, we talk I talked about this uh, a couple of weeks back with Front Mission Evolved. Front Mission Evolved is nothing like the other Front Mission games, and there's a reason why we don't have a Front Mission Evolved review because it's not an RPG in the least. But the Front Mission series is RPG. Like, mm-hmm. it's strategy RPG. There are statistics. You get to customize your Vonzer. You can customize your Vonzer in Evolved, but it's not an RPG. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I think we could sit here and beat this to death if we wanted to, but the, the fact of the matter is that it is really hard to say what an RPG is anymore. And I, I fully expect one of the next games that we're really going to have a hard time uh, classifying will be the next Grand Theft Auto. Uh, I think the next Grand Theft Auto is going to be full of player choice and probably dialogue options. Uh, they sent out that survey a while back uh, that was asking if they wanted a moral compass in the game, and I think we kind of saw the beginnings of that in Red Dead. It wasn't fleshed out very well, but I think we see the beginnings of that. I think the next Grand Theft Auto game is going to absolutely drive people crazy, just the way San Andreas could have been classified as an RPG based on its uh, experience system. I do not see that happening. I do. Here's the thing. I worked game retail for several years in college. Um, I don't know how many people picked up the original Mass Effect and were angry at it, not because of its its vague dice rolling system, which I know is a reason why you didn't like it very much, Rob, but because, quote, these people are talking too much. I just want to shoot something. There's all that in Grand Theft Auto, though. But he, you the cutscenes cut. in Grand no, Theft no, Auto no, are he, horribly long. But here's the thing. These people are talking. You don't have to read anything. And as, as much as I think that's, that's something that portrays poorly about our society, the average person that was coming into a GameStop in 2006 – didn't want to read anything, and I think that's probably true of the average person walking into a GameStop in 2010. I, they, I, 
I can agree with that, but I think that if Rockstar found a way to get around that, I mean, Red Dead sold amazingly well. Uh, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, uh, Assassin's Creed 2 had a hell of a lot of reading in it. It had a hell of a lot of puzzle no, no, solving, no. which I really it, I really like those puzzles. He, put those he, here's the thing. I, I see there being a significant difference between a game having a story and a game having dialogue options. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dialogue, uh, I think the concept of dialogue options, I... I People like the idea of choice. People like the idea of having a great, involving story. I don't think the average gamer wants to read seven different dialogue options and go with it. I think we do. I think that's why we like RPGs is because we want those dialogue options. We want to play a Malkavian, and we want to say, no, you stop to a stop sign. <laughs> no, that that's definitely true, but I just – I think that the next Grand Theft Auto will have some kind of player-controlled decision-making, be it dialogue options or be it like the one mission where you could actually – there were a couple missions in the game where you could decide who to side with or who to kill. Oh, decision-making that, that processes. I, I agree with there being decision-making. That's right. Like, and, I, and they already had this sort of dialogue options in San Andreas where you could give positive or negative responses. Here's the thing. San Andreas was a great experiment, but there's a reason why Grand Theft Auto 4 didn't have any of that. No, there's a reason why Grand Theft Auto 4 didn't have any of that. It's because they spent so long on the tech, and they took all the fun out of the game. I, I found Grand Theft Auto 4 to be a complete bore. Like, it, all the fun that was in Vice City, San Andreas, and even 3 was gone to me. And all there was was a, a complete focus on a story that had been told over and over again in these games, and it's even in Red Dead. The main villain is your friend, turns on you in the first couple hours, they go away for the next 80% of the game, and then come back at the very end. It was used in Bully, it was used in Grand Theft Auto 3, it was used in Vice City, it was used in San Andreas, it was used in 4, it's slightly in Red Dead, it's been used over and over again. My biggest problem with Grand Theft Auto 4 was it felt like three steps back. And yeah, it was really pretty. But it felt like three steps backwards See, in terms and, of the development. And, and I think Grand Theft Auto 4 was the sequel to Grand Theft Auto 3. I think that it was a very streamlined, very – it was a great core experience. And I found I, it very boring. Did you play uh, – so we're totally not on RPGs anymore, but did you play any of the episodes of Liberty City? Did you play no, Black? my buddies told me to play Ballad of Gay Tony because that was more like Vice City. That was more the, the uh, craziness. Yeah. Again, you, you see in those two expansion packs more of the content that I think that you're looking for. And I think there's a reason why you really like Vice City and you really like San Andreas, but you didn't just mention Grand Theft Auto 3. I, I liked Grand Theft Auto 3. Don't no, no, get me wrong. but No, no, it's, no I hear you. I hear you. But it's practically overpowered by Vice City and San Andreas. There's no reason to play 3 after you play Vice City and San Andreas. They, they just take the – I feel like they take the core experience and they just ratchet it up. It's the same way that I feel about Left 4 Dead, and I, I know my Left 4 Dead buddies are going to be pissed at me right now. But after playing Left 4 Dead 2, I can't really go back to 1 because then you're all – you're a moron. You're a well, moron. Well, I think yeah. 1 is better – no, I think 1 is better balanced, but I think 2 has more fun stuff. Like, one has way better balancing. I mean, the, the matches in one are crazy. I mean, and it's all based around skill, and nothing's ever going to beat No Mercy. But Left 4 Dead 2 just has more fun stuff. 
Okay, and, we are completely yeah, off t- topic here. Okay. You know, real quickly, I just wanted to go into what you were saying about what the next game is that's going to have RPG problems. And the one that I would point out, and I may be crazy for this, is going to be either Madden or MLB The Show 11. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, yeah. They're you, practically you, RPGs already. No, it, it's already there. It's No, it's already there. And I'm not joking because NHL for the past two years has had its be a pro mode where you quite literally gain experience points after every gain and put yeah. them into your statistics. Like, you level up in NHL 10, and it's gotten to the point where you go online, you make yourself a clan, a.k.a. a team, and you play online with other people, and you gain experience points, and it's like playing an MMO, but you're playing hockey. Yeah, it's like the same thing with uh, MLB The Show 10, except it's in more of a less MMO and a more of like traditional RPG, except instead of random battles, you go and you play the Yankees versus the, the Astros. I mean, it's, yeah, it's which it, going, going even further back, a game that I fought to review for RPG fan, you play the Game Boy iterations of Mario Golf and Mario Tennis. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And because those are an RPG in an even more classic sense, they play like pokemon you go around and you talk to people and it's it's like playing a 16-bit rpg except when you hit that battle you playing some tennis yeah but see <laughs> but see a madden game as an rpg already works because if you guys watch espn the music that they have in the background while they're doing uh like the the whole sports recap of football that would work so well as a battle music you know the dun 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 Come on, guys! It, it fits. I I, I, no? I don't want. No? I'm a hockey fan. They don't. They I don't. like hockey too. Don't give me shit. No, 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 no. They don't play anything hockey on ESPN. Now nice. I could tell you that I like the Hockey Night in Canada theme, even though I live in Illinois. But well, I mean, I, uh, I, don't, know. I don't know. Okay, wait, so wait, I I think based on our current conversation, we've run out yeah. of RPGs to talk about, which I think maybe means we should start to wrap. Yeah, I think we're getting there. I mean, because when you think about it, they're they're really the next big big RPG release. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Is Dragon Age in March? Um, let me. Check. I'm, I'm saying big mega one. Like we're gonna have a bunch of PSP and DS games between now and then. But I, I feel like Dragon Age Two is the next big one. It was New Vegas, and now we got this kind of calm before the the fanboy storm. Uh, in a uh, in a minor news bit, um, we've got Pokemon Black and White in ah, yeah. quarter one of 2011 uh, for the North American release, so that could be a big one. But yeah, Dragon Age Two is is the big one. Yeah, and that new trailer. I mean, I, I would love to have the Bioware guys on, and I think you need to make moves on that, John. I'd love to have someone from Bioware on, and I would have one question for him: What the hell were you guys thinking? when you put those first screenshots in Game Informer. Because the game looks gorgeous. It looks great. What were they doing putting that in Game Informer? I mean, it made it look horrible. And then and then to see it in motion, it looks great. Like, there, there's good detail. The screenshot clarity is already up. They already have a higher texture quality. Like, what were they doing? Who's deci- Who was asleep at the wheel on that one? 
I honestly don't know what the screenshots are talking about because I get all of my information from press releases. So the, the original uh, news story on Dragon Age Two and Game Informer, like the, these screenshots came out, and you remember what uh, the the Final Fantasy VI um, tech demo looked like? Okay, it wasn't that bad, but it looked it, it kind of had a similar like yee. Like, what the hell am I looking at here? Like, the ground just looked like... The ground just looked like a pink paste. And the characters looked awful. And now they're they're showing the first trailer for the game, and it looks gorgeous. I mean, it's kind of got this very... I don't want to say cell shading, but it kind of has this very soft, artistic look to it. With really... With hard edges, but soft coloring, and I really, really like it. I think it fits the world very, very well, so... Well then. Well, yeah, fine, fine. Uh, here on the uh, artistic theater. Oh uh, no, we got Two Worlds Two coming out. That is going to be a quality title. Is there a hint of sarcasm in your voice right now? No, there's totally no sarcasm there. I don't know what you're talking about. I honestly can't tell right now. <laughs> no, they, they, I. Oh God. It's going to be that bad. <laughs> it, it, okay. It, when the original Two Worlds came out, Two Worlds One was developed in Poland, and well, no, no, right no, there. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> this, this is not a dig. This is not oh, a dig. Oh, it's already been dug. No, because there were two games that came out within two months of each other that were RPGs from Poland, Two Worlds, and The Witcher. One of which was awesome, and one of which was Two Worlds. <laughs> I still need to play The Witcher. I'm hoping that it comes on Steam sale again, and maybe maybe I'll play that between uh, now and Dragon Age 2, because uh, after the new Assassin's Creed, there's, like, nothing else I want to play. So maybe maybe that's a good time to pick up The Witcher. Anytime is a good time to pick up The Witcher. I'll try it out. You know, I, I am interested to play it. Uh, I, I mean, all this hype that's been going on for The Witcher 2 has been getting kind of crazy, so maybe it's time to figure out what the big deal is. What's awesome is what the big deal is. And here's the thing. Um, the Witcher 2, Kimberly, uh, who is one of our editors and was with me at the uh, the Atari booth, she doesn't like Western RPGs at all. And she's interested in The Witcher 2, which amazed me. Well, that's okay, because when Final Fantasy Versus 13 comes out, you guys are going to put me on the review, and I'm just going to piss off the whole fan community. Yeah, it's, let's not do that. Yeah, I, th- I think it, you guys, if I had been given Final Fantasy thirteen, I think you guys would have had to take me off the review just for my own safety. I'm going to I'm gonna put it out there. I love Final Fantasy thirteen. Oh, God, not another one. I thought it was terrific if I had to vote for Game of the Year this year. What? My vote whoa, right now. Whoa, whoa. Um, Brian, banned, Brian. banned from the podcast. <laughs> no. Brian, Brian uh, voting for Game of the Year is probably going to start on our staff forums in – being the fact there are no really big releases for the rest of the year, probably soon. So keep that oh. in mind. You'll be having an argument with Rob on our staff. I'm, I'm ready. Oh. I'm ready to fight it out. I, uh, I would have that up there. I, uh, I enjoyed that game. So, so you like pressing X over and over again. That's I, that's what you I like. like. Really high quality graphics. I like melodramatic stories. Oh, I dude, like... you should play Heavy Rain. That game's awesome. Heavy Rain. I have so many things in my backlog. Heavy Rain, I would love to play, but I just 
I'm not going to get to that anytime soon. Which I do, I do have something RPG related that we won't put in a review because it's an addendum thing. Um, Heavy Rain's move controls are awful. (laughs) Oh, shocker! Shock and awe, right there. Wasn't David Cage? David Cage was like apologizing for this for the past six months. Well, it's because here's the thing. Per Sony, they scrapped download content on that game to do move controls. Now, Ooh. I got a move kit not too long ago, and I was like, awesome. I'm going to check out Heavy Rain. I love that game, and it's awful. Heavy Rain. What I like, what I like. While others feel the pain. Heavy, heavy Rain. No. <laughs> would I like Heavy Rain, or would I hate it? Um... I think you'd like it. It's did you ever did you ever play Indigo Prophecy? I played like you, you know what it was. I played like twenty minutes. Uh, no, I played a good solid two hours of Indigo Prophecy. But I was at the scene where like you had to cover up the fact like the police officer comes to your house to like investigate, and I had to do that scene like four times because I was doing things like out of order and incorrectly, and I, I just I, I about lost it. Like because you have to sit there and like watch the character like do these things really slowly. I'm sorry. If there's a cop knocking outside my door, I'm probably going to clean up the crime scene inside my apartment fairly quickly. I'm not just going to go over and meander like I'm doing laundry with my mother watching over my shoulder. So yeah. I, I – if, if, Did you like the game other than that gripe? Well, yeah, but I already know who the killer is in Heavy Rain. Who, did someone spoil you? Oh, I spoiled it for myself, and I'm not going to do no. – I'm not going to spoil it here, but I, I already I already know. It's still worth playing, I think. If if you, here's one of the nice things was that there was really none of that. You can do things brilliantly wrong, like you could in Indigo Prophecy, where it's like, okay, I know what I'm gonna do, and then all of a sudden it's like, no, game over. There's also mid scene uh, checkpoints in. Oh, that's Heavy a Rain. Go- that's a godsend. Yeah, where there was one point where I died, and it was just like, no, here we'll put you back like three choices back. And I was like, awesome. Well, let me let me actually see uh, how much heavy rain is because like I wouldn't want to spend. I'll be honest, I wouldn't want to spend full price on it. Like that's just showing how cheap I am. But I have no desire to. Sp- wow, I just typed in rain, rain. <laughs> yeah, that that'll get it. That'll get it. Oh, it's still sixty bucks. Yeah, that's that's a uh, negative on that one. Maybe well, it'll they, maybe it'll come they, on sale. I, I'm sure that it's cheaper than that. If you go to like Play Asia, they've got the European version, which has everything on the disc for like forty. Put that damn thing on Steam. Damn it. it, it <laughs> Put it's it on not, Steam. It's not on PC. Put it on Steam. I'll buy it. It prints money. They have my credit card. Gabe Newell comes to my house. I'm... He knows what I want. Anyway, um, Elemental got really really awful um, reviews. Going off of our, our RPGs that aren't RPGs, and which is unfortunate because they're doing the really big patch this month that's supposed to fix everything. Cool. Well, I guess that's just about it. Brian, did you enjoy your first time on the podcast? It was amazing. For like the three seconds that you talked. Wait, are we really that intimidating? Like I know we scared the crap out of Pat and I don't expect to ever have <laughs> back on the show. But... It's not intimidating. It's the uh, sadness of been playing portable games as opposed to playing something wonderful like Fallout New Vegas. It's uh, not wonderful. No, here's the thing. It's like, good, I, but it's not wonderful. It doesn't I, cure I, cancer. Are you sure? Yeah. Oh. Yep, pretty sure. <laughs> 
No, I, I know what you mean. When it, It's kind of hard if you haven't been playing anything uh, high profile, but if it makes you feel better, I mean, for the next couple of weeks, we're really not going to have too much to talk about, so we're going to have to get really creative with things to talk about. So on the message boards, uh, in this downtime of RPGs that we're going to be having, uh, give us suggestions about what to talk about. Maybe go back, try some old games. Uh, as I look here on my shelf, and I still have uh, Digital Devil Saga 1 and 2, and they're just staring at me. And I, I need to sit down and try them again. I, I no, can actually, those games, those are great games. No, I, I, I think that's a fantastic suggestion. Um, reader, readers, listeners, whatever you want to call yourselves, there's a thread on our forums in the RPG fan, the site. It's at the very top. Go in there. There's a podcast thread. Suggest games for us to talk about. Old PS2 stuff. I guarantee you that I've got copies of whatever you want me to play in the other room. Can we talk about Okami? No. Um, <laughs> no, the o- o- Okami Den's coming out uh, March 23rd. Yay! The game that I still haven't beaten. It looks so cute. <laughs> it does look cute. I love Okami. I just didn't realize Okami was going to be like a 40-hour game instead of a 10-hour game. So I was sitting there going, why hasn't this ended yet? <laughs> it's no. still going. Okay. Uh, thank you very much for listening for the pod. Uh, listening for the podcast. Listening to the podcast. This is why we need coffee on tap when we're recording. Thank you very much, guys, for listening. Uh, again, go to the forums. Suggest RPGs that you want us to talk about when we're in this downtime right now for the holidays. Uh, we'll definitely try to play them as much as we can. Uh, also, remember to go on to iTunes. Subscribe to us through iTunes. Give us good ratings. Uh, give us some feedback for the show. Again, we want to know that you guys are listening to this. I love to do this. This is kind of like my little ranting spree. But we also want to know that you guys are out there actually giving a crap what we're talking about. So, so for the new boy, Brian, hope to have you back on again at some point. You don't speak for Brian, and you don't speak for me. I speak for both of you, damn it. <laughs> for Brian and John, and of course for our regulars who are dearly departed this weekend, but they will be back, uh, thank you very much for listening, and we will see y'all later. I speak for everybody, damn it. No.